Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacy Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. We have a really interesting opportunity for you today because we had a recent opportunity to meet somebody incredibly interesting that's done something that uh, has done multiple things, actually, that probably very few, if any of you watching mm-hmm. uh, today have ever done. We've never done, didn't, nope. didn't understand. And uh, uh, you're about to learn a little bit, learn a little bit about, about, about currency, about, about precious metals, but, but how are they stored? Where do they come from? Where are they at? Some of the ins and outs of stuff that kind of seems a little mysterious to most people. And uh, this guy's also had a pretty interesting connection to uh, one Donald J. Trump yes. that uh, most of us have not had access to. So so buckle up for a good conversation. We have with us Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott and uh, Tark Shab. Welcome. President of Texas Precious Metals Depository, which sounds really, really cool. Um, when people think of where are precious metals stored, where are they at, you know, I don't know what comes to mind. I joke about like, uh, you know, this probably dates me, but like the Bugs Bunny cartoons and he ends up at like Fort Knox and there's piles of gold or I don't know, you picture uh, the, the movie with... Um, uh, George Clooney, where he's in the military, and they have all that Iraqi gold stored in these like underground vaults they found in the military from, you know, uh, Operation Desert Storm. Like, I, I don't know what all people picture when they think of like where gold and, and silver are stored and what it's like and and so forth. But it's good to have somebody on that. That's 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 your business is is protecting their most valuable assets of 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 people. So thanks for joining us. Oh, happy to happy to join and. Uh... Yeah, it's interesting. I had heard a statistic uh, many years ago that said that something like only 3% of all paper currency or of all U.S. dollars are actually printed and 97% is in digital form in some form or another. And so when you think about your local bank or even a, a regional bank and how much they have in assets, physical assets at the bank, it's, it's really a lot smaller than most people think generally on the order of about $50,000. So when we get into precious metals and, and gold and silver, and we talk about housing, um, you know, physical bullion, we're, we're talking about numbers in the billions. And because of that, it's just so large and, and so much wealth and such a contained area that the, the level of security is orders of magnitude greater than, you know, your local bank or, um, you know, on, on par with Fort Knox, really. That's, that's unbelievable. Now, we, I, we've known Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott for over 25 years. Uh, we've known him before he was even any kind of a doctor. And then he became a, a doctor, then became another doctor. And then it gets kind of gets gets ridiculous. I don't know where, where he stores all these gigabytes of data. Uh, he has to probably get external hard drives to plug into his head for all this this information. But tell us about your guys' connection and, and why that was kind of, kind, of, kind of a fit. Because you both have choices of who to work with and he, you know, could be anywhere doing business with anybody. I guess, Dr. Kirk, I'll start with you. Uh, th- this, this connection for you, we got to, we got to meet Tark when we came to Denver to meet your staff. Something we like to do is always kind of look behind the scenes, pull the curtain back. And, and that's why we speak so highly of the people that work with you. But that was kind of an extra bonus for you, for, for us when we got to go to Denver. Well, it, it is. And, you know, so the interesting story about, about Tark is, and, and all of the viewers here have, have seen me on with you all for, for a year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how long it's been. It's been forever. Um, not as long as I've known you because you all have known me since I had hair. <laughs> long, long hair. Down to my shoulder blades. Yes. 
Yeah. Get, get, no, no hair here and more hair here. Yeah. It was all good. Pictures, no pictures. <laughs> the archives. But that was like 25 years ago. But but so so as as a company and as a firm, we we, we want to protect people's assets, right? We we go into gold and silver because currencies are collapsing, banks are failing, countries are leaving the petrodollar. Now you've got all this garbage with the Bank of International Settlements and unified ledgers and all this crazy stuff. So how do you protect and preserve? Well, with gold and silver, tangible assets you take delivery of or you store. So the storage part becomes different because there's a lot of different options out there. I mean, there's there's not just one depository. There's all kinds of them. So as, as a company, when, when we are vetting them, we have to have a few things uh, that, that we put at front and center for safety of our clients. And this is why we, we chose Tark. So I'll, I'll go you some of my thought process, right? Mm-hmm. So so number one, I I didn't know it at the time, but but I've actually known Tark for like 20 years through old political connections that we had and and groups that we would, you know, circle around in way back in the day, you know, 20 years ago uh, wow. with the national policy. So go way back wow. to me. Uh, relationship is everything, right? And when you have somebody that's that's a believer that that is um, a patriot like we are, that that speaks volumes to me. Not the only thing, but it actually mm-hmm. helps, right? So, so then when it came to the the Texas Precious Metals Depository, having unlimited insurance coverage on the account, having it be in Texas, Texas has very favorable laws towards precious metals, right? makes it safer than other other places. Um, singular ownership, meaning they're not joint owning it with you and them, and so they can lease it out, they can sell it over and over and over again. What's, what's stored there is owned only by the client, and they have segregated storage, right? So it's, I mean, when you add all of those together, it's like, wow, this is everything that we're looking for, right? But, but we've become a, a very large firm, right? And what we wanted somebody that could move quickly with us, that could have the technology to back, the customer support that we need, the security that we need for our clients. And um, you know what? There, there, it, it boils down to very few choices, right, when it comes mm-hmm. to all of that. And by far, Texas Precious Metals um, went over the top. And, and Tarek is an amazing business guy. And I've never seen somebody, and David and Stacey, you're, you're amazing business people too, right? And we've, we've had businesses throughout the years and decades, right? And I've never seen a company that would bend over backwards so much to actually meet the client's needs mm. than what Arc has done at Texas Precious Metals. So when you add all of that together, it's like fantastic, fantastic relationship that we're excited to have to keep our clients' assets safeguarded. We, I we, love it. I got to share something because when we were uh, in Denver and we got to meet Tarek, uh, we were sitting in the back of the room watching him speak and uh, we were blown away. And then um, I, th- I think it was Riley or maybe Ashley said, did you know that he was on season five of The Apprentice? And we were like, you've got to be kidding me. Number one, we're huge Trump fans. But number two, we were huge Apprentice fans. And we could not believe it. So Tarek, you have to share with the Flyover family, what was that experience like? Sure. Yeah, no, it, it was a life changing experience. And uh, before I get into that, first of all, thank you so much for those kind words, Dr. Kirk. Uh, it's been a joy to work with you and, and your staff. And, um, you know, my my background and my history really 
is connected pretty closely to the, to the apprentice experience insofar as um, what led me down the path towards precious metals. So just a, a little bit of background, I got my degree in electrical engineering and I started my career with Texas Instruments. And so I've always had a very uh, technologically focused um, uh, purview as it relates to business and as it relates to um, how we can uh, differentiate ourselves and create a value proposition and, and so forth. Uh, I grew up in a very uh, low middle income household. I knew very little about money, um, very little about investing. My parents you know, had nothing in the stock market. Uh, it, my, my dad is an immigrant. So uh, the, the financial aspects of what drives the economy and, and the, the um, creation of fiat currency and, and all of that really came in, in the aftermath of The Apprentice. And so what, what happened was the, the producers for the show came and had an open casting call at, at Texas Instruments. I had never seen the show. Uh, I was not familiar with it at the time. I'd been traveling all over the country. Um, and Texas Instruments just made it so easy for, for anybody to go apply for the show. A buddy of mine asked if I would accompany him. One thing led to another. I was selected out of the, the first group at TI. I had to do an on-camera interview. I had to do... Um, uh, I had to make an at-home video. They flew me to LA. I was one of the final 50. I did an interview with Trump and all of the producers. Wow. And, you know, the, the whole time you're thinking, gosh, you know, this is, this is uh, just uh, otherworldly. And um, when, they, when they mentioned, you know, they, they communicated to me that I was going to be selected for the show. They said, you have three weeks, pack your bags. Nobody could know. I had, there were two people at TI that, that knew that I was going and they had to sign $5 million non-disclosure agreements. My mom had to, my, my wife, my future wife had to, uh, my dad didn't even know that, that I was going on the show. And so people at TI thought that I was uh, away on medical leave and all my friends and family thought that I was in China doing, uh, doing work for six <laughs> weeks. So no, nobody really knew where I was. Wow. You know, at, wow. The, at the time the show was so big that they would sell the rights to TV Guide or to Us Weekly to announce who the cast was. And, and it was so big, in fact, that I found this out later. They had a, an entire second group of people that they were filming in New York just to throw the paparazzi off the trail because the paparazzi wanted to know who was, who was going to be on the show. So, um, yeah, pretty wild experience. And, and we were talking a little bit before uh, this podcast, and, and I was just saying that, you know, you really have to put yourself back into what life was like in 2005, 2006. This was all pre-social media. Right. So I think that the the big life changing experience was th this feeling that your entire personality or who you are or how people see you in public is entirely dictated by how you're represented on this national TV show. Mm. And that was a really difficult thing to, I think, process at the time because I, I didn't have the latitude to go onto a Facebook page or, you know, to, to have um, a podcast or a blog to just you know, explain really who I was and, and, you know, how I felt like I was being, you know, presented or, or cast and so forth. So it was, it was a real challenge. Um, but coming off of that show, I, I did really well. I was the 12th person who was fired. I was brought back at the end to help the guy who actually won, uh, had some, some really great and memorable moments on the show, uh, spent a lot of time with Trump, went golfing with Trump and BJ Singh, wow. which was really neat. Um, really, uh, really got a unique perspective, I think, on, on who he is, uh, both on camera and off camera, something that was uh, certainly, um, you know, uh, 
a unique background going into the, the 2016 presidential election in mm-hmm. terms of, um, you know, my perspective on, on what he was trying to do. And, uh, and then coming off of the show, rather than go back to TI, I realized that, you know, there, there were uh, bigger opportunities that now were, were going to be presented. And to start, it really began with understanding economics. And so I, I went on this uh, really uh, aggressive sort of self-schooling um, project to, to start understanding why the dollar has value uh, and, mm-hmm. and why we can't exchange the dollar for gold like, like you could, you know, a hundred years ago mm-hmm. and what that actually meant for the economy. And, um, and uh, incidentally, it, it sort of led right into the great financial crisis when mm-hmm. all of a sudden there was really a, a completely different perspective on how, people viewed uh, precious metals. So I'll stop there, but that, that's a little bit of the background. Love that. That's, that's phenomenal. Cool. You would like to do a lot of research on on people when they come on. And, you know, I, I'm interested because Trump has a great uh, reputation for evaluating talent. I think he probably did it better in the business world than he did in the political realm. I think in the political realm, he kind of assumed like, hey, we're all on this boat. We want to row the boat, right? He didn't know that some of the people rowing the boat would also be woodpeckers, you know, and you're like, we you know, why would you be destroying the boat? You guys are crazy. I mean, I don't think he wrapped his head around that real well out of the gate um, there because in business, there's an economic interest. We all want to build this building and make money and you deal with contractors and things, but he, he really values people with, with, with a high IQ. Um, you just got to disclose this. Anybody can search it. But you're a member of the Mensa society. Um, you're actually a, you're a certifiable genius. <laughs> Um, you know, which I doubt you probably wanted to say yourself, but it's good to have third party validation. How much did, did that play a role? Cause you have to be smart. But you also have to have a work ethic. You have to have a high emotional intelligence, but you also have to have the, the mental power to be around them. What was that? What was that like? And how much did Trump recognize and, 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 and value that in that process? You know, it was interesting because, um, that was, the, the, the Mensa test that I had taken was, was years prior to the show. And when they did all of their background and due diligence, it came up, right? They, they go over your school transcripts and all, all of the associations you're part of, et cetera, et cetera. And come to find out, they made a huge deal about it on the show. And so, you know, when the first episode came out, you know, Trump started talking about, you remember Mensa, you're in Mensa and you need to do better. You need to do this. You need to do that. And all of my friends, all of my family, anybody that I ever went to school with, they said, we, we never knew that you were even, you know, part of this. Like, what, what is this? What is he talking about? You we know? didn't know you were smart. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We thought you were dummy. Um, so, so it became a really big part of the show, a, a sort of a, a running theme. And I had, I was almost fired three out of the first five episodes. And, and part of the reason for that was I, I really approached it um, pretty aggressively at the outset, uh, Trump selected me personally selected me as the first project manager and we lost 43 to 40. And so I was on the chopping block. And then, you know, as I was taking on more and more leadership roles, the more that you're a leader, the more that, that, you know, you're in the spotlight and, and can potentially be fired. So it, it continued to come up over and over again. And then I kind of took a little bit more of a backseat as the, as the, as the, as the, as the show went on, because I realized, you know, I, I didn't want to be in the boardroom every single week, but, uh, but yeah, it's it's you know Kirk was was talking about just the uh, the technology piece of uh, our depository, and it, to kind of tie it all back, one of the interesting things that 
um, I observed as I got into the precious metals business was just how antiquated the business was. This is a 5,000 year industry. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, gold was not made legal for purchase in the United States until 1973. And when it, when it, when it became available, it was really available only through local mom and pop coin dealers. And so you had 4,000 mom and pops throughout the, the United States and coin collecting was really on par with baseball card collecting or stamp collecting. And it was a, a very sort of minor piece of, of the overall um, uh, economy. And so you know, as, as time went on and as, as the internet began to grow, one of the big complications was how, how can people start purchasing precious metals um, and, and have those precious metals ship because there's just so much value going in into right. a box, mm -hmm. right? And, and so our industry was very, very late to the market in terms of, um, you know, providing a lot of the services that uh, Dr. Kirk Elliott provides. And the same is true also with the depositories. So the depositories, many of them today throughout the country are still using faxes. You know, they're still, mm. um, you know, using um, pretty, pretty antiquated methods wow. of uh, being able to, to source and, um, and account for all of the metals that, that are in the facility. And we've taken a really aggressive approach technologically, which is, um, dramatically help the speed of, of operations. It helps with accuracy. We use barcoding and RFID. We have, um, you know, from a security standpoint, biometric scanners, facial recognition. I mean, we're, we're, we're doing so many leading edge things from a technological standpoint that, that really um, assist and support all the work that Dr. Kirk is doing. So, um, you know, taking that, that, electrical engineering background, and then the, the interest in finance and, and sort, sort of merging those two together to create a facility that um, is, is worthy of sort of 21st century clients uh, was, was always the objective. Guys, the two you, questions people would have um, is, is, is one, and you kind of addressed it there, but if, if, if they're storing, you know, you're buying, you know, Dr. Kirk focuses on bullion, not like shipwreck coins with great stories, you know, that you can sell overpriced. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like spot price, mm -hmm tangible assets. Um, are they safe? Cause you know, people don't feel safe with them at their home probably. Mm -hmm. And then like, are they safe out of sight? And number two, can you come and see them? You know, if it's there, can, mm -hmm. is, is that, is that an option? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we're really proud of the facility and we do tours on a regular basis by appointment. And, um, you know, it's, it's really neat. In fact, some of our clients, uh, will often bring their children, uh, so that, you know, whether they're homeschooled or, or they'll pull them out of school for a day and, and just see how an operation like this runs. I mean, it's it's so fascinating. And, and again, to have the amount of of money and, and wealth and, and one concentrated location and how we secure it and how we protect it and how we uh, account for it. It's, it's really a fascinating thing because it touches on many different disciplines, um, whether you're interested in technology, whether you're interested in finance, whether you're interested in processing, whether you're yeah. interested in general marketing and business, it really touches on, on all those areas. Um, you, you raise a really good point. And, and we had talked about this when, when we were in Denver. And it's one of the things that I really respect so much about Dr. Kirk Elliott, um, his approach to this market and, and the way that his team um, you know, advises a, a lot of his clients is that we have always held to the view that, you know, gold is gold and silver is silver. And, and you want to maximize the amount of metal that, that you're, you're buying with your money. And sadly, you know, our industry does attract a lot of shysters and, and you'll see it with uh, 
a lot of advertising, even in, in you know, conservative circles where you'll have boiler rooms of salespeople who are trying to, you know, persuade grandmothers that are 75 years old on buying these overpriced numismatic coins that uh, are really only worth the, the metal content, but they, they claim they have all of the, these special sort of collectible qualities to them and, and then they make big margins and, and commissions and so forth. And, um, you know, if, if Dr. Kirk Elliott had taken that approach, I, I probably wouldn't have done business with him. But again, you know, and he said it at the outset, I think we're very aligned in terms of our values, in terms of the way that we look at the market, in terms of the way that we look at the economy. And that really matters to us as an organization. And I know it matters to him as well. That's incredible. Um, so where do you see it like this going in the future? Where do you see gold, silver, the dollar, any any kind of things as you look into the future? Do you think this will be a collector's item someday? Like I could frame it like, oh, man, that's one of those paper <laughs> monies that they used to use for <laughs> buying things. I'm, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Um, you know, we, we actually have some uh, Zimbabwe dollars and uh, some yeah. some uh, Weimar notes uh, in our office just as a, a reminder of how all fiat currencies ultimately end. There's been no fiat currency in the history of the world that's ever lasted. And um, that in and of itself, I think, is a testament to the value of, of gold and silver. There's a reason why central banks have uh, gold on their balance sheets. There's a reason why sovereign countries uh, always have gold on their balance sheets mm-hmm. is because it's the, the currency par excellence. It's the currency of, of last resort. Um, when I say gold, obviously that encompasses all the precious metals, sure. like you know, uh, silver as well. And the, the, the thing that I think has been, um, I, I, the, the most obvious value to, to precious metals over, you know, a, a long-term time horizon is that, you know, and I, I use the example in the 1920s, uh, an ounce of gold would buy a finely tailored suit. And here we are in 2023 and an ounce of gold buys a finely tailored suit and it, it protects wealth over the long run. There are countless stories, uh, particularly in the early days of um, of the United States, when there were multiple different competing currencies that were regional currencies where a, a currency would collapse and the the farmers or the, the business people that had gold would buy into the new currency and gold would provide that protection um, o- over a long time horizon. And I think anybody that's lived through the past, um, gosh, a uh, couple of decades, especially through the great financial crisis and then through COVID and then through the, the recent invasion of Ukraine and, and all of the geopolitical and geoeconomic uncertainty that has come as a result of it, particularly the impact that it's had on supply chains, um, it, it's hard not to recognize the, the value of, of having physical in your possession. And uh, we've begun seeing a trend to answer your question, um, a really profound trend over the last three years of, of people beginning to take money out of the markets and putting it into physical and, uh, and doing so just for, for self-protection. And, um, you know, today, I think the statistic is that less than 1% of people in the United States actually own any precious metals. And, um, and gosh, you know, if, if that number moves to, to 5%, I, I shudder to think how difficult it will be to actually get it. That's great. Well, people's point. awareness of that is mm-hmm. shifting a lot. I want to show one last little chart here um, that we were looking at when we were in Denver. Um, one of the executives that on Dr. Kirk's team, you know, had shared it with us. I don't know if producer Colton has it and can pull it up and kind of get your get your uh, comment on one last kind of thing as we go. But I, I find that people are are increasingly taking high levels of of personal responsibility in a lot of these key areas, like in their health. I think mm-hmm. prior to COVID, people are like, "Well, my doctor said do this," and I never thought more about it, you know. And and now they're kind of, you know, I'm 
I need to take ownership of my own mm -hmm. health prescriptions, things I'm doing. I need to maybe take ownership of my kids' education in a way I maybe I didn't in the past. Maybe the education I got isn't what they're getting. I need to take ownership. People are, are starting to take ownership of, of their finances in a way that I don't think they have in past generations. And it's really uh, not even allowed. I mean, if, you, if you're just like ignorant to your finances and trusting other people 100%, um, the, 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 the consequences are dire, you know, today because things are shifting so fast. This is, is devaluing in, before our eyes. It's not over decades. It's over, over weeks and months, yeah. you know, almost, um, talk about this a, a, a little bit, the, the, the market validity, you know, in, in perspective in, in the, 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 the value of, of dollars as they change over time. Sure. Yeah. So, so two comments. Um, the, the first, Point that you raise is just the devaluation of the dollar. I, I was born in 1978, and you know that you can always uh, go online and see what the price of bread was, or, or the price of gasoline, or, or the price of a home, and anybody can do that over time. And uh, statistically, the, the dollar has depreciated in value over 97% since it was created in 1913. So um, I think anybody that that thinks that that trend is not going to continue. Um, really needs to to sort of reconsider the the past hundred years. Uh, certainly, the the dollar strength, quote unquote strength, relative to other world currencies can can ebb and flow. But it's like, you know, what is the cleanest dirty shirt in the laundry? Um, at times, that'll be the U.S. dollar. But um, broadly speaking, big picture as it relates to how we use the currency in in our own economy, um, the, the the currency is is weakening by the day. Um, as it relates to the chart that you showed, this is a chart of market volatility, and those, those peaks, those um, th those little um, circles that you see on on the chart, there, those are the number of days that the stock market has changed more than two percent in any given day. And the reason why I highlight those uh, in particular is because it is generally during times of heightened market volatility that the physical bullion market does best. People often ask, you know why is the price of you know gold going up or or silver going up and why are the prices going down all of it um is often dependent upon how volatile the markets are at any given time so market volatility has a has a tremendous impact on um people's buying appetite in the physical market that little circle in red was 2017 uh the year after trump was elected there was almost no market volatility. And because of that, the, the interest in, in physical precious metals waned. The same was true, actually. Um, and and I, I can comfortably speak to this. The same was true in the ammo market and the firearms market. Um, when, when the market volatility was very low, um, there, was, there was not a, a real sense of urgency into getting into those physical assets, dried food, toilet paper, all, all of those type of prepping um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, items. But then you you fast forward to COVID, or you look back in time during the, the 0809 financial crisis, and those times of heightened market volatility, there's always a, a flight into the, those things that offer greater protection, whether that's in the form of food, whether that's in the form of ammo, whether that's in the form of, of bullion. Man, it's a great point. Dr. Kirk, what are your thoughts on this? Well, obviously, we talk every week, and these are things we've heard you say before, but what would you like to add to that? Well, in a, in a we're, we're entering into a time in world history where paper money is going away. And Tarek's right. There's never been a fiat-based currency that's ever lasted, ever. 
they they have a time span because they they overprint, especially when you're the world's reserve currency, right? You have to print more than what you need domestically to fulfill the international demand for the currency. And then the rest of the world forgets about it. And they say, wait a second, you're squandering your time in the sun. You printed too much money. You've got too much debt. We want a new reserve currency, right? This is where we are right now. The problem with this time, based on other times throughout history, is technology has advanced so much that now we're not just going to go from one paper currency to another paper currency. We're going to a digital currency, which actually... Um, adds a whole world of problems because when you print money, it actually goes through a process, right? You have to make the paper, you put it in the printing press, you you put ink on it, you cut it, and then you have to send it to all the banks. To, so to create a trillion dollars of paper money, it takes a lot of work. To create a trillion dollars in digital money, it's it's just some person sitting at a computer and hitting zero a bunch of times. Boom, I just created a trillion dollars in like two seconds, right? Now, what you have going forward, which is why what Tarek does is so important and why we chose him, is because we have something coming from the Bank of International Settlements, which is a unified ledger. The unified ledger tokenizes all of your assets, real estate, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, your cash, your bank accounts, and it, and it puts it in a, in a packet, right? It's like now it's all in this, this thing. Now, decentralized tokenization like Bitcoin means it's private. It's immutable. You can't change the programming. The ownership is set in stone. When you have centralized, basically digital currency, like what we're looking at at CBDCs, they can change the ownership in a second, right? All they do is flip the button. It's like, if your ideology doesn't match up, like everything we've talked about on this show, right? This is scary. This, this report just came out two days ago at the Bank of International Settlements. Scariest report I've ever seen. And we should probably do a whole nother show on it, right? Because what this means is when you tokenize your assets in a central bank digital currency, it's basically they know the source of the inflow, the use of the outflow and who owns it. And when you control the data, you can control the, the cutting off from buying or selling. Well, this is this is scary. So this is why the need for a tangible asset like gold and silver is so important because it gets you out of this new big brother Orwellian world where where we don't want to be controlled by anybody. We don't want some person that has a job, at not even an elected official at the Bank of International Settlements or the UN saying, hey, David, Stacy, Kirk, Tart, we don't like what you do. And so we're going to cut you off from buying or selling. Okay. The scarier thing about this new system is because it's programmable money, it has a time element to it. They can, they can, with a flip of a switch, say this currency is going to be done on December 31st. So let's say you had $100,000 in the bank and, and they said, Tark, you got $100,000 in the bank. You need to spend it before December 31st. It's use it or lose it. See, they, they were bragging about this last week at the United Nations and what programmable money means, because if you force people to spend their money before it's use it or lose it, you stimulate the economy. But what did they just do? They basically said, now you're our slave to us for the rest of time, because we made you spend your nest egg, your fortune, your retirement, your bank account, what you were saving for a rainy day. So now you're subject to their debit and credit system moving forward which is, is awful 
right? It's like, why, why would we save? So, so this is where when you go into a tangible asset that gets out of that digital system where you're a digit in somebody's digital world, now you have safety. Now you have protection. And this is why this is so important and different than other times in history when currencies have collapsed. Have you ever wondered about ancient civilizations or the moon landing, chemtrails, the Nephilim, demons? Those are all things that fascinate me. Decided to use our platform of the Flyover Conservative podcast and create a new show called Conspiracy Conversations. Every Saturday morning, we get together with some of the brightest minds in the world that have spent thousands of hours on a topic, churning through the research, looking at things they've traveled, they've been to the locations, they're looking for the truth because they're as curious as you and I are about what's true. What is really true about our past, where we came from, where we are, and where we're going? We don't bring on guests to iron out their wrinkles and find out the things that we disagree on. No more than I go to the grocery store and, and, and try to put everything in the whole store in my cart. I just try to walk out with better ideas than I had when I walked in. If you got something inside you that's like, what about that? I don't even know if I agree, but I would like to hear them out. If you have an open mind and a curious heart, we've got a show for you every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, conspiracyconversations.com. family join me every wednesday for the prophetic report at 11 11 central you can find it on rumble you can find it on the flyover app we have such an incredible time of hearing from all of these different prophetic voices like robin bullock julie green barry wunch amanda grace and hank kuneman Every week, it's either five or six different prophets that are speaking. And what's interesting is God is speaking through them. And all of these voices come together like puzzle pieces. It is so exciting to hear what the Lord is saying. We're hearing from medical. We're hearing from military intelligence. We're hearing from the financial world. We're hearing from mainstream media. But the most important is, what is God saying? He has not fallen off the throne. He's not nervous. He's not chewing his nails. He is in control. He has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. What a great time to be alive. And I'm so excited for you to join me every Wednesday at 1111. You know, Kirk, we get a lot of, of text messages and emails, and, and I'm sure, you know, you do as well. Every day you guys have a large team talking to people. Um, what are some of the concerns that you deal with that people have about safety, the depository, storage, these kind of factors? If I get a billion questions every single day. Right? So, <laughs> so, but, but when it comes, okay, so I'm so glad that Tarek's here because when it comes to safety, I, I, I do have a few questions that always come up, like literally almost daily. So let's, we always get the question of, Oh boy, Kirk, what if the government wants to confiscate gold or silver? Mm. Right. So, so to me, I'm not so concerned about it when Tark, what you said, only 1% of the population actually owns precious metals. If the government wants to confiscate something, they're going to go after the masses, right? The 98% of people that have bank accounts and brokerage accounts and, you know, through a, a bail in event, right? But, but let's just say force majeure, you get, you get, uh, military forces in your parking lot saying we're going to confiscate gold right what what is the likelihood of something like that happening um at your depository 
Yeah, so uh, many people are aware of the fact that in the 1930s, there was a, a gold confiscation that, that occurred. And uh, during that period, they estimate that roughly 10% of all of the gold uh, that was outstanding. By the way, it wasn't silver, it was just gold. Um, but but 10% of all the gold outstanding was actually returned back to the U.S. And um, there, there are a couple of things that I think are noteworthy about that event. The first is uh, the word confiscation, because this, this word is thrown thrown out a lot. Um, when I think of confiscation, I think about going through the, the airport security and they confiscate my toothpaste because it's four ounces instead of three ounces. And they never remunerate me in any way for the toothpaste. They just take it. Uh, in the 1930s, when they confiscated gold, they actually paid what the going rate was at the time for gold. Now, granted, a year later, the, the price of gold had gone up. And so people felt a, a little bit chipped, but it wasn't just a, a straight confiscation. There, there, there was a, um, a financial component to that. Uh, the second thing is that all of the gold, for the most part, that was confiscated were was gold that was held in safety deposit boxes at banks. And remember, banks are federally regulated; they're they're federally insured, and because of that, they're they're heavily beholden to any federal regulations that that come down the pipe. Um, what makes us a little bit unique is the fact that we're a private facility; we're we're not a bank; we're we're a non-banking institution. So, in fact, the the deposits at the depository are, are not actually deposits per se. The nature of the relationship is more like a, a public storage uh, where you would, if you're moving and you put a, a sofa into public storage, that sofa is not on the balance sheet of the public storage company. Um, what makes us a little bit different, obviously, than, than public storage is that our security is dramatically uh, greater than, than any you know, public storage facility, dramatically greater than the banks, et cetera. Um, but also... The, uh, the insurance that we provide on the metals. So when you have metals at your home, you're not able to get those metals insured by a, a third party, whereas uh, at our facility, the metal is entirely insured by Lloyd's of London. Now to answer um, Dr. Kirk's question, if the, the military or the National Guard is outside of our facility, um, you know, we, we have obviously some things that we can do, but, but those things are limited. We have, just to speak to our security just for a moment, I mean, our, our uh, facility is uh, built of steel and concrete and there are man traps and truck traps and biometric scanners and bullet resistant windows and bullet resistant doors. And as I mentioned previously, facial recognition uh, scanners, we have um, a, a whole host of, of uh, other security measures that we have in place that I, that I actually won't talk about publicly, but there, there's a lot of other things there. We have uh, three full-time police officers on staff, uh, former head of uh, the uh, one of the local SWAT teams here in, in Texas, now works directly for our company. So we have tremendous security uh, as it relates to any gangs or riffraff or, or people that would attempt to break into the facility. As it relates to the military, obviously there's a limitation there. And I, I like to, to explain to people that you know the government um, at any time, and this is this is sad to admit, but the government can at any time take whatever they want from anybody. They can take your kids, they can take your land. Um, as Doctor was saying, they can take the money that's out of your bank account. And there's you know th there's limited uh, ability that we have short of uh, you know an, an insurrection or a revolution or or what have you. Um, as it relates to the facility, we can lock down the vaults, we close the doors, we set up all the security, and and then. You know, as, as we say in Texas, come and take it. You know, it's it's good luck. <laughs> it's going to be very difficult. And even if you had all of the right 
uh, resources, um, the, the challenge of relocating and, and repurposing the weight of all of the material that we have in our facility would, would be profound. So we do the best that we can to make it as difficult legally as humanly possible, um, but but within reason. That's that's what I thought. I just wanted to hear it out of the horse's mouth, right? So, so second, I have actually two more real quick questions. Um, I get questions a lot of time from clients that hear horror stories of storage, you know, where it's like, it's not there. It's not there. Mm-hmm. They, they oversold it. They leased it to a different country. Who knows if it's there, right? Um, what is the contractual status of the, the metals that you store for people? Can you oversell it? No, absolutely not. And uh, we do not rehypothecate metal. We do not lease metal. We do not lend against the metal. Um, as I stated previously, the, the metal is not on our balance sheet. So we really function as a bailee. The, the function that we're providing for the individual that has metal in the account is, is strictly a, a function of protection and insurance. And so you had mentioned it at, at the outset, but we're really unique as a facility in that all of our material is segregated by account. So there's no commingling of material. There's no um, there's no pooled accounts or anything of that na- nature. Literally, the, the product that you put in is, is the exact product that you get back out. We record everything under camera down to the serial number on, on the products that come into the facility. So our, our job is exclusively to, to protect those assets. Now, I will tell you, I spend uh, more time each year than I would like to admit in the auditing uh, of our facility, whether that is um, from the the uh, institutional clients that, that we have metal for. So the IRA custodians all come down and audit our facility. We have uh, publicly traded banks that come down and audit our facility. We have uh, anti-money laundering audits that occur at our facility. We have bi-weekly audits that we do internally ourselves. Uh, we have, we're in the process of becoming a SOC 2 registered facility. So there's SOC 2 audits that, uh, that we go through. So, you know, individuals can feel very comfortable that we are uh, well audited, well inspected and, um, and, and well, you know, covered as it relates to our, our overall processes. And this goes back to the technology piece too. When you have as many accounts as we have and as much material as we have, it's the technology that makes it really, really easy, quite frankly, to, uh, to manage and, and, um, and audit the entire facility pretty quickly. Awesome. And then one last quick one. Um, I've been doing this for 29 years, right? I've been in the industry for a long time as, as you have. Um, and I, I, it breaks my heart when people buy stuff that's not liquid, you know, the, those high grade, semi rare, rare coins, collectible things, um, that, that a company has to make a market for, right? It's like you have to have a sales force that, that actually buys and sells the stuff because, it's not necessarily an internationally exchanged commodity like bullion, gold, or silver, right? So, so in your experience at, as a depository buying gold and silver every single day, um, what would the process be for somebody selling, you know, getting getting a good price for for rare coins, semi numismatic coins? Is there demand for it? And and because my theory, and I might be wrong, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't care. Um, is maximize your ounces, minimize your cost. That's always the best way to go. So on these things, what does, from a depository standpoint, what does it look like for you when when you see these things? 
honestly, it, it saddens me. I mean, in everybody in our organization and we, we see, because don't forget when we get inbound material from, you know, these various uh, dealers throughout the United States, we see the invoices. So the invoice comes, comes across with the particular product and, and we're looking at, at these invoices and we're seeing people that are spending, gosh, $5,000 for a coin that, that costs $2,000. And it's, I, I honestly view it morally as theft. Um, it is how I see it. And uh, there have been some dealers that have been prosecuted by attorneys general, certainly here in, in Texas. It's, a, it's a, a really big issue. And these people buy lists of elderly people and they will call them incessantly and sway them on how important it is to buy this rare coin that only 50,000 of them were minted. And they, the, the price on, on these things are, they're going to go to the moon here in the next two months and you need to hurry up and buy before it's too late. And, and they get really convinced. And really all that's happened is that the individual on the other end of the line has stolen probably 50 to 60% of their money. From a depository standpoint, to answer your question, I mean, we, we do provide a, a liquid market. Um, and, you know, sadly, I, I have to buy those products back roughly for the the price of the metal that they melt for because the story that was sold to the individual is is quite frankly for for lack of a better term it's a lie and um and again that that's the reason why you know we, we've talked about it so many times kirk we're we're very ethically aligned in the way that we approach this industry and the way that we approach this market because we i i think honestly we believe in in um you know a a, a higher reason for investing in, in precious metals. And, and that is to provide protection against this geoeconomic and geopolitical uncertainty. And, and it really matters to the people that we work with and, and the relationships that we forge along the way. So to make that point clear, if somebody paid hundreds of dollars for some kind of a, of a rare piece of silver, um, you're buying it back at melt, which is close to spot. Yeah. I would say generally, Generally, generally speaking, that's the case. You know, there, there are rare circumstances where, you know, it is actually a legitimate, you know, 1883 specialized coin. But even at that, um, even at that, Kirk, oftentimes what I'll recommend to the individual that's storing is to have us ship the coin back to them and to go and, and really shop it, you know, in the collectibles market if it, if it has that, that value, because that's not what we specialize in. You know, we're, we're not in the collectible business. We're in the wealth preservation business. Yeah. And I'm in the liquidity business. We want to buy and sell when we want to at the lowest premium. So, well, cool. That's Thanks. really, those are, those are the three of the billion questions I get every day that seem to be asked the most. So thank you for addressing those. That is huge. So if you're listening today and thinking, okay, what do I have to do to get out of the way of the storm that's coming? You can go to flyovergold.com. Great information there. There's some videos, some things you can read. But when you scroll down to the bottom, there's a place to fill out your information. When you do that, it puts you in the queue for someone from Dr. Kirk's team to give you a call to set up a free consultation. It doesn't cost any money whatsoever to find out what is the best thing for you to do during this time. Or you can also call 720 605 Three nine zero zero. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We really do appreciate your time. I love being surrounded by smart people. Yep. All right, let's get our stuff together here. Hi, I'm David Whitey. <laughs> <laughs> if we can skip the hi, my name's David Bird, because that's where I got to tend to derail. <laughs> hi. <laughs>
<laughs> but I did good. See, look. First thing says, say your name. Say your name. <laughs> say your name, David. Have you been wondering what to do with the spare time you have on Saturday mornings? Have I got a way for you to fill that time? Not cleaning your garage, folding your laundry, or doing something with yourself. Filling your head with worthless information about what may or may not have happened 5,000 years ago. Have you ever wondered about ancient civilizations or about chemtrails in the sky? Or have you ever had a friend at, at school talk to you about friend at school? <laughs> Some days when you're sitting there with your lunch pail, you're talking to your friends at school, they, they bring up your flat earth, and you think it's a flat earth. I don't know if your flat earth is flat or not. I don't know. Alligators are angry because they got all those teeth and no toothbrush. And it's all true. And we talk about it every Saturday. <laughs> we talk about Rubik's Cubes and stuff. <laughs> we like to have conversations with people that have made documentaries, written books. Oh, this is terrible. I can like feel myself hating watching this later. Okay, give me a swoosh. Let's do this thing for real this time. Bye. Got a show for you. <laughs> my, my, hang on, my, my eyes red now. You won't be able to tell in there. Peter can fix it. He can run it through a filter. Can you run it through the Brad Pitt filter and get rid of the, my red eyes? Oh, I'm probably doing the world a disservice. Are you having a hard time sleeping at night thinking, what am I going to do about my finances? You know, times are really changing. They're changing fast. Let me give you a quick example of how in 1920, if you had a $20 bill and one ounce of gold, you could go into any men's clothing store and buy an entire suit. Wow. You could buy the, the jacket, the shirt, the belt, shoes, the whole bit. Today, that $20 bill, what's it going to get you? Not much. Maybe the socks, maybe a <laughs> handkerchief, but the one ounce of gold could still buy you the entire suit at any men's store in America. That's the difference. That's what inflation does to your dollar. It's a deflating dollar caused by inflation. Now, today, that's happening faster than ever. You need somebody that you trust that can help get you out of a fake currency and into something that's going to keep you safe. And we know a guy that has two PhDs by the name of Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott. We have known him for over 25 years, and he's someone we completely trust. You need somebody that you can get a hold of, somebody that's going to be there for you to get back out of it, and then maybe back into the stock market, maybe back into something else when things settle down. But right now is not that time. You need somebody that you trust and somebody you can call and make those worries go away. That's exactly right. So you can go to flyovergold.com. Dot com, fill out your information for a free consultation, or you can call 720-605-3900. Do it today. You'll be glad you did. Do your feet ache and throb in pain with every step you take every day of your life? Well, kiss those days goodbye with slippers from MyPillow.com. How about that flimsy, flat little excuse for a pillow that's nothing but eight hours of disappointment, causing you pain in your neck every single night? You can wake up with nothing but butterflies and rainbows around your head with a MyPillow pillow. Those hard wood floors hurting your old bones? No more with a MyPillow dog bed. Are your towels worn thin, flimsy, more patchy than Joe Biden's memory? There's nothing better than absorbent towels from MyPillow.com. 
for all of these products and more, go to MyPillow.com and use promo code FLYOVER for up to 66% off. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The MyPillow guy. And you're looking good. Still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. MyPillow 2.0. When I invented MyPillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. MyPillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature-regulating thread. MyPillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of MyPillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. Wow, what a great interview. What a great guy. A great person. You yeah. know, and and you know, birds of a feather flock together. Yep. Uh, we've known Dr. Kirk for a long time, and it's no surprise that he would attract people yep. like Tart, people that were on the apprentice that were attracted I by know. President Trump. It's kind of like when you look at a timeline, these kind of pieces just kind of all sort of fall together. It's kind of cool. I really look forward to going to Texas and going to the precious metal depository and checking it out. It's kind of cool how it's all done. And again, again, it kind of, I don't know, it felt mysterious to me. I Maybe it didn't to you know, a lot of you viewers, but like, where would you put that much gold? Do you, like, like, you, know, do you build like a, a barn dominium? You right. know, a bull where barn? You, you know, like what kind of, the, of security goes into it? And these guys definitely have that all lined out technology, concrete, steel beams, reinforcing, yep. all that kind of stuff. You know, I don't even think an Ocean's Eleven kind of a break-in. Those guys could even get in there. Yeah. So if you're sitting here thinking, oh, I don't know, should I do it? Should I not do it? Just go to flyovergold.com. Set up an appointment. It doesn't cost any money whatsoever. Do it today. You you won't regret it. Check it out. Become an expert in your own finances. You know, yeah. it's an important thing. Um, for those of you approaching retirement, you know, you're looking at these ages. The, the world is obviously changing around you. You look back over these last 30 years, 20 years, 40 years, there's never been a, an era where things were changing mm-hmm. this quickly. And, you know, it's too important to leave up to someone else. You've got to be in the driver's seat of that. I uh, just cannot encourage it enough. We're only beating that yeah. drum because that is the crisis of right now. Okay, so these guys I, will help you. I just got to say, I am fired up about tomorrow's conversation. It's going to be so incredible. When we start a conspiracy conversation show, one of the top ones, you know, you got moon landing, you got some of these things, but JFK, you know, uh, uh, Jackie Onassis Kennedy was, is on the cover of People Magazine right now. It's like this story doesn't go away. You know why? Because there's always smoke there. They they try to cover it up, hide the yep. truth, but but the smoke comes out. Mm-hmm. We have a person who, inside circle conversations with presidents, been on on dozens of presidential tr- uh, trips with with four or five different presidents. This guy was taught how to make a martini by Winston Churchill. Basically, via Richard Nixon. Pretty darn cool. That's pretty, I mean, you know, nobody I went to school with, or, you know, I mean, my family had that kind of yep. access. And I don't know where y'all consume your content, but a really cool thing that we have now is the Flyover app. So if you go to the flyoverapp.com and you you put that on your device, I guarantee you, you'll be excited about that as well. We had a lot of comments about people that are saying, oh my gosh, I love the community. I could take notes here. It's very convenient and it doesn't cost you any money whatsoever, but they are actually divided up. So you have the prophetic report, you have conspiracy conversations, yep. you have the Flyover Conservative show. It's really, really cool. It's a it's great right way there. to be able to you consume. You can pause it, come back later. It's got all kinds of great features, download an episode. So we bless you to be able to download yes. that app. 
to be able to have access to all the knowledge and information that you want and could possibly consume. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We'll see you back here next time. Peace out, guys. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Flyover Conservatives podcast with David and Stacey Whited. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell, and leave us a comment below. Lastly, if you enjoyed today's podcast, share with those who came to mind. Be blessed and make it a great day. Yeah.